0: Uh, Let's get into the Word of God. I want to continue in this series that we've been in, entitled, Hello, My Name Is, and we've been doing a study on some of the covenant names of God. God over the centuries has revealed Himself, and as we've said before, there's no one name of God that can fully describe all that He is, and what he is to us. And so there were these various names, we call them redemptive names or covenant names, that God made himself known to us. And we've been looking at those, and over the weeks we've looked at Jehovah Rapha, our God, our healer. We've looked at Jehovah Nisi, our God, our banner, or our victory. We also looked at Jehovah Shama, the God who is there. Uh, talked about the thereness or the presence of God wherever we are in our life. We... Look, the last time I preached was uh, Jehovah Shalom, and how God is our peace. And today, I want to go to the first recorded of all these covenant names in the Bible, and it's Jehovah Jireh. Everybody say Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. The Lord will. He will provide. Come on, that's a good word, isn't it? The Lord will provide. And I I want to come out of this great story in Genesis chapter 22. And if you have your Bibles or your phones or however you're doing this, or the words will come up on the screen, I want to read this story to you. It says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Everybody say, God tested Abraham. Don't you like that? Isn't that warm and fuzzy? God tested Abraham. Don't you think that you're going to get by without being tested by God? Amen. And he said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. And the Lord said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. On one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, he split the wood for the burnt offering. And he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, you stay here with the donkeys or the donkey, and the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, My father. And Abraham said, Here I am, my son. See what happens when you get sick. And Isaac said, Look, we've got the fire, we've got the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide Himself a lamb, a sacrifice. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son, and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said to him, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught, in a thicket by its thorns, horns. So Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it said to this day in the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. Sorry, everybody. Got to get, got to try to stop the waterworks here. Amen. Oh, God, you're so good. And I just pray today that your word to us will be a lamp unto our feet and a light for our path today. Show us who you are. Show us that you are Jehovah Jireh. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's going to get through it. <laughs> I love the story of Abraham. He's called the father of our faith. And when we read the story of, and the life of times of Abraham... We get an example of a man who learned to walk by faith and not by sight. By the time we read this part this, of Abraham's life here in Genesis chapter 22, he has been walking with God now 80 years, over 80 years, by the time we get to this story. And this walk with God was marked by tremendous steps of great faith, Then there were those times when he went through times of frustration, of long delay, waiting on God to show up. He also, in the course of his life, had personal struggles and failures along the way, where he messed up, kind of took matters into his own hands, and then had to learn to live with the consequences of those things. But all the while, you see this man walking an increasing faith with God, which the Bible describes as friendship with God. That he was known to be a friend of God. In every phase and stage of his life, he learned what true faith was. He learned that faith was faith was believing God even when you didn't see it. Hoping in God without doubting. Waiting on God without complaining. Surrendering to God even when you didn't fully understand what the heck. Right? You see, Abraham learned that true faith isn't always about what you get from God but what you give to God. See, that's really, that's really the, that's real faith. We think in terms of faith, well, I got to have faith to get this, and I need faith for that, and, and that's not wrong, and that's not bad. But there's another side to faith that isn't about what I'm receiving. It's about what I'm releasing. Because Sometimes what I think I want or what I think I need, God says, no, what you need to do is give me what you think you need so that I can give you what you really need. But you can't get what I want to give you and will provide for you if you keep clutching on to what you want or what you think you absolutely need in your life. This brings us then to this idea that God is, He wants to be our true provider. He's the one who, He wants us to learn to trust in His provision in our life. To know that whatever I really need, God sees it, He understands it, He knows it, and He wants to be my provider. And not me trying to provide for myself. Because any time I try to provide for myself, I can stop the flow of what God really wants to do in my life and only hinder my own progress in the Lord. And that brings us to this name Jehovah Jireh because the word Jireh, the root word of it, means literally to see. It means to see. And so, when God says, I'm Jehovah Jireh, it's, it's, it's in mo- almost all the translations, it's, it is translated, God who provides. But really, the essence of it is that God is saying, I will see your need and meet you there. I will be what you need when you really need it. It's almost like God's, Prevision is our provision. God sees what I'm lacking, and He said, I will be your provider. Now, I want you to remember what we read here. How does this happen? Well, I just want to remind us, I want to say something today that I don't know if you'll like it or hate it, but there is no real trust in God without. First, going through the tests. If you want to learn how to trust God in your provider, it's going to take a test of your faith. And this is what I want to remind you of. It said right there in verse 1, chapter 22, God tested Abraham. This wasn't a test to produce faith. This was a test to reveal his faith. After 80 years of walking with him, God was saying, I want, was it like God needed to see it, but he needed Abraham to see it. And so if we're going to trust God as our provider, we're going to have to pass the tests of our faith. Isn't that really encouraging on this pastor appreciation? If we're going to learn to trust God, we're going to have to pass the test of faith. And as I see it in this story, the test of faith comes in different dimensions. The first part that I want you to see that Of our testing is it's going to be a test of love. It's going to be a test of what or who we really love most in our life. The Lord came to him and he said, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. And the Lord said, I want you to take your son, your only begotten son, And I want you to take him to a place and offer him up as a sacrifice. And he said, he's your son. The one you love. I want you to take the one you love and give him up to me. It was a test. The Lord was testing the heart and the devotion of Abraham, would he love the Son more than the one who gave him the Son? Would he love the blessing more than the one who blessed him? Would he love the gift more than the one who miraculously gave the gift? We'll never learn to trust God. As our provider, so long as our love and our devotion goes to other things, where God gets shifted to the back, He's on the back burner, and we only run to Him in extreme cases. But otherwise, we put all of our love and all of our devotion into other things and other people. And we never really learn that God alone is my provider. because. Our love is in other things. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's what God said. Jesus wrote to a church in the book of Revelation and he said, you do a lot of good Christian things, but something's lacking. And it's your love and your devotion for me. We'll never learn him and know him as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and will be exactly what we need if we don't get our priorities straight and make him the supreme desire of our affection. God was warning the Israelites of this. He said in Deuteronomy, I want to read this to you. Deuteronomy chapter 13, the Lord is cautioning about false prophets among the people. He said, If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. Verse 3, he says, And you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. He said, there are, going to be, there are going to come people who will arise in your midst and they will prophesy, they will have dreams, they will say things, and they will come to pass. But behind it all, they're drawing you away from me. And I'm allowing this to happen to see, will you do? Love me, or will you love what they are offering you? Will you love me? Will I be the supreme desire of your affection? Or will you love what they said and what they did? Because it fits into your life. Amen. He goes on in verse 4. He says, here's how you love me. Here's Here's how you do it. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments and obey His voice and you shall serve Him and you shall hold fast to Him. There's a lot of things out there that are drawing our affection away and it looks good. Remember, these people prophesied and it came to pass. It looked right. It looked good. It felt right. But it drew them away from God. can't know the provision of God in your life so long as you put other loves as priority in your life. Amen. Are we doing okay? So it's a test of love. It's also a test number two of obedience. The second test we see in this is a test of obedience. So... What happened when the Lord said, I want you to take your son. I want you to go to a place, and I'll show you when you get there. You don't know now. I'm just telling you the direction. I'm telling you the location. I I want you to move in this direction. And for three days, he journeyed in that direction. We know he was approximately about 50 or 60 miles from, from the region of Mount Moriah. And he gets there. And the Bible said in verse 3 that Abraham, after he got the word from God, that he rose up early. Listen to these words. He rose up early. He saddled his donkey. took two of his young men with his son Isaac. They split the wood for the burnt offering. They rose and went to the place that God had told them. No hesitation. Seemingly no reservation. No procrastination. God said, this is what I'm telling you to do. And he did it. He obeyed the voice of the Lord. Remember when God called him, he said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham's response was, here I am. And after God told him, the next thing we see is active obedience, not passive disobedience. This is a test. Amen. Come on, smile at me out there. This is a test. God is going to test our obedience. See, if I'm going to learn to trust God, I'm going to have to pass the test. If I'm really going to trust God with my life, with my finances, with my future, if I'm going to learn to trust God with every place of my soul, I am going to have to pass the test. First, that I love Him more and most than anyone or anything else. But also, that I'm going to obey Him immediately. Amen. It's, remember, as we say, it's obedience, not slow-obedience. We don't hesitate on God. We don't reserve. We don't procrastinate. Oftentimes, we act like we didn't hear God. And a lot of times, we behave like we don't fear God. But if I'm going to know God as my provider, I have to obey Him when He speaks to me. And when he gives me instruction, and I want to remind you, he didn't know specifically. He could have said, well, I need you to lay out the exact route, and I need you to tell me the exact place, then I'll get around to it. No, he's like, just do this. Go in this direction. And it was in the going, in the obedience, that God opened more doors of understanding. You know, that's the way it works with God. That's how it works with him. You obey today. Tomorrow he'll show you the rest. Or he'll show you what exactly you need to know. But he's got to see some movement. Out of your heart. Out of your life. There's a verse of scripture in the New Testament that we love. And it says, and my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. Isn't that a good verse? God will provide. And Paul is writing to the church at Philippi because they supported his ministry financially and they gave to him and they gave out of their own need and they gave out of their own resource to make sure that Paul was able to continue on even though he was in lockdown. And he said, I'm I'm just reminding you because of your generosity to me. I just want to remind you that in your faithfulness, God is still your provider. And he said, I'm not even telling you this because I want you to send more. He just said, I want you to live with the understanding that God blesses you in accordance to your obedience. And I know we live in difficult days of economy, but listen... We need to obey God when it comes to our giving. That we give to the Lord, not when the economy is great. We give to God because God is over the economy, He's beyond it. We don't get afraid and we don't start to begin to, uh, you know, regulate and change things up. That's just disobedience. We give to God. It's just one aspect. There, there's a lot of things that we could talk about. But I give to God first. I obey God most. And I don't shift and change based on what I'm going through at the time. That's not obedience. Amen. It's like somebody said one time, do you tithe? And they said, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Let's not tithe. You can't tithe sometimes because the tithe belongs to the Lord. Amen. I just ruined a perfectly good message by talking about money, didn't I? Maybe somebody needed to hear that today. It's a test of obedience. Will you obey? So, if you're going to learn to trust in Jehovah Jireh, you're going to have to pass the test of love. Who do you love most? Test of obedience. Will you obey? Will you obey? It's also going to be a test of worship. The third test I see in this passage is the test of worship. It says, so Abraham went three days journey, he came and he lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. He said to the young men that he brought with him, he said, stay here with the donkey. Watch this. And the lad and I will go yonder and worship. What was Abraham doing? He was worshiping God. And the word for worship literally means to bow down. He said, we and the lad are going to go and we are going to bow down. We are going to honor God. We are going to reverence God. We are going to submit to God. See, people who learn to trust God as their provider are people who have learned that life is Their life is not their own. Their life was bought at a price. They live because of God and they live for God. And they're going to bow their knee to Almighty God. The person who understands the true nature and the true heart of God is a person who has learned to submit their life to Him alone. And he's not some weekend experience. He is their life. They live in honor of God. They live in surrender of God. We think of worship as in the singing to God, but really worship is living for God. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he said, I appeal to you, therefore brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. How do I do that? What does that look like? Well, verse 2, do no, no longer be conformed to this world. In other words, that word conform literally means don't, it's a word that really gives that idea of being like a chameleon. Don't don't change and look like your environment. Behave like, think like, act like the environment around you. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed, be changed like. Uh, A caterpillar turning into a butterfly, that's really the essence of that word. Be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, that by testing, everybody say testing, that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. See, worship is what I think about and I choose every day to do God's will. That's worship. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to bow my knee to God. See, some of us get, we've already become stiff-necked and unyielding to God. But see, that problem, you know where that lands you? You never really experience Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Not because he's not willing to provide, but because we close him off and limit him and shut him down to what he can do in my life because we become hard in our spirit and unyielding in our heart. It's a test. It's a test of worship. Amen. Was that too hard? It's also a test of confidence. If I want to know God as my provider, I've got to pass the test of being confident in God. Amen. I love this. So it says, remember what the story said, Abraham said to the young men, you stay here, the lad and I are going to go yonder and worship. And notice these next words. And watch. And we will Come back to you. I love that. Abraham said, We're going. Abraham knew what the request was. He lived under no illusions. He knew God said, Give your son as an offering to me on an altar. He knew what that meant. But here he says something. He says, we're going to be back here. And then it says in verse 6, so Abraham took the wood. I love this. And he put it on Isaac. Here, son, you're carrying your own (laughs) fuel. (laughs) See the picture of Jesus in all of this story. The only begotten of the Father. And Isaac said, This is where Isaac said, Father, we've got the flint, we've got the fire, we've got the wood, we don't have the sacrifice. And again, listen to, the, listen to Abraham. The Lord Himself will provide. who, come on now. God is going to meet me. I don't know how, I don't know how He's going to do it. But God is going to come through. In fact, we see the New Testament kind of uh, application of this. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, it says that by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding, read this out loud with me, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Wow. So here's what's going on with Abraham. I know what God is asking me, but here's what I also know. This is the chosen son of promise. There was no doubt who Isaac was. He had already gone through trying to make his own son his own way, trying to help God finish what God seemed to have a hard time finishing, and then had to go through the whole thing where the Lord said no. He's not the one, and even Abraham, we know in the story, begged God, let him be the one. This is good enough for me. And God's like, no, that's not good enough for you. And it's not good enough for me where it concerns you. And already he's had to let the other son go and had to let let him just go away. He had to send him off. And so God, in that whole thing, where, where Abraham finally released Ishmael and had to let him go, that God confirmed Isaac's the one. And then the next thing you see God do is he tests him. Man, don't think this isn't happening to you. It's happening to you. Amen. Abraham said, we're coming back. The Hebrew writer, which I think was Paul the Apostle, said he probably at least believed that if he killed him, God would raise him from the dead. That's confidence. See, faith is confidence that God is going to come through. I don't know how. I don't even know why he's asked me to do such a senseless thing. Sometimes God asks you to do things that don't make sense. And to you, it looks like this is the end. But really, it's just the beginning of what God wants to do. Amen. And Abraham, I love this because Abraham spoke prophetically when he said, God will provide himself a son. And if we know the full story, Mount Moriah is where the city of Jerusalem, all those hills around, we were there a few years ago. And many scholars believe the very place that Abraham offered up Isaac was the same hill and the same location where the Temple Mount was built by Solomon later. And that that represented and was a picture prophetically That God, through Jesus, would provide himself a sacrifice for us all. How many of you know that in Christ, all of the promises of God are yes. And they are amen. So whatever it is that you and I have need of. God was saying prophetically, all of those things that you have need of, you can be confident, will be yours by the grace and the power of God. Because Jesus was offered up for you and I. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? This is why Paul would write in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, he says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, God's on my side. You better back up. Go ahead. He said, if God is for us, who can be against us? Watch, listen to these words. But he, for he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? I don't know what the thing is that you need in your life, but God is the one who gives all things. If he didn't withhold his only son from us, then with him he'll give, there's so much more God wants to do. Hallelujah. But we need, like Abraham, to live confidently. That's what faith is. Faith is being confident in what we hope for. That's what faith is. That's what trusting in God is. It's, I don't know how this is going to pan out. Anybody a, ever been in a situation? Maybe you're in that right now. I don't know how this is going to get fixed. God is the great fixer-upper but we got to trust Him. Which means we got to follow through with obedience. Which means we got to keep our affections on Him. Which means I need to bow and submit and surrender my heart and worship Him. Amen. Amen. There is one final aspect of this test, and it's the test of courage. A test of courage. Will you have the courage to go all the way with what God says? Now this is like an obedience but it's beyond that I feel like because it says when they came to the place Abraham built the altar. Now imagine this father with his son. Many scholars, you know, it's debatable what Isaac was probably somewhere in the ballpark of 20, maybe even 30 years of age at this time. And this is his son. He knows he's the one. He knows that Isaac is the son of promise, But his son that he loves. But not more than God. But he loves his son. And he knows what he's doing. And he's building an altar. The Bible said he put the wood in order. He was melancholy. And he bound Isaac, his son, and he tied him up and he laid him on the altar. And then the Bible said he stretched back his hand with the knife. And he was going to plunge the knife into his own son. Strange hard to wrap our brain around it. But God spoke. That's courage. I don't know, man. That's courage to me. I'm going to do... I cannot alter the plan of God now. I've got to follow through. God called me to this... I don't have an option. I can't make my own alterations. But it was in his willingness to go through with everything that God stopped him in the nick of time. How many are glad that God does have a nick of time? Sometimes we wonder, do you have a nick of time? Are you going to show up here? The problem is some of us stop before we actually get to Moriah. We never really experience what Abraham experienced because we stopped a long time ago with the follow-through. We had had no courage. No sticking with it. This is hard. This is difficult. I don't understand, God, why you would request this of me, why you would demand this of me. And so we stop short. And we never really know Jehovah Jireh. Not really. And he went through, and he stretched out his hand, and God intervened. God showed up because he said, I I see. I see. I see your need, and I got you covered. Amen. And there are times that God calls us to difficult things. God has maybe called you to a difficult thing in your life, and that you're like, this is too big for me, this is too much for me. But God's looking for you and I to have some courage. Remember when He raised up Joshua? For a 40-year span of time, God was preparing Joshua for the next phase in his life. And how many times did God have to send somebody to encourage Joshua? To have courage! Boy, one, and in Joshua, the first chapter, the Lord had to say, Joshua, Moses is dead! You can't live in denial If you're going to go in the next phase of your life, I know it's difficult. I know it seems like too big for you. But listen, you got to have courage to go forward. I need you to take some steps and go after this. Amen. You've been called to a difficult task. Maybe God has got you at a place where he wants to make some major changes in your life. you got to have the courage. I was saying, I want you to lay this on the altar. I want you to take this thing that's dear to you, whatever that is. I don't know what it could be. It could be anything. It could be be a habit. It could be an addiction. It could be a job. It could be be any number of things. And God said, nope, time for a life change. Time. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can let go of that. Well, you better learn how. This is a test. Amen. Will you have the courage? See, that's what faith is. It isn't always about you getting what you think you need. Sometimes it's about giving God what he requires of you. So he can give you what you need. Maybe God has placed before you an unsolvable problem. Humanly speaking, it's not a solvable problem, but he's like, I, can, I want to solve this problem through you. Or like we said earlier, maybe God is giving you some senseless re- request. This doesn't make sense, God. Why would you demand this of me? He's God and he can do whatever he wants. How about that for starters? If he wants to ask that of you, he can ask that of you. I'm just glad he's not asking that of me. (laughs) Amen. Katie, would you come? The people who know Jehovah Jireh are the people who are like this. And then they look over their shoulder. And they see a ram caught in the thicket. God brought a ram. It was just over his shoulder. The Bible said he looked behind him. Over there. people who see the ram in the thicket are the people who love God most. They are the people who obey God immediately. They are the people who worship God with all their heart. They are the ones who are confident and believe that God is going to come through somehow and they have the courage to go The bitter end, even though it may be painful, but that's the God. It's in all of that that they see the God who makes a way where there doesn't seem to be any way. Hallelujah! Isn't God good? You know, we serve a great and awesome and loving God, and He wants to be your provider today. He wants you to know Him as the one who sees and who will make a way. He'll be everything you need Him to be when you need Him to be it. Not because He's a vending machine to your wants and desires, but because some of the things that you think you need, that's not what you really need. He knows, though. And He wants to be that for you. Praise God. Would you stand with me? Could I have the Prayer folks, come on up here and prepare to pray for anyone that has need in their life. If you have a need, today would be a great day to come and say, hey, I have this need in my life. I have, you know, it could be a financial need, a physical need, a, it could be any kind of a need in your life. Jehovah Jireh is in the house, amen. The Lord is here. And I believe that he has a ram caught in the thicket for you. Hallelujah. So I'm going to pray. When I'm done praying, you're free to go. But if you'd like prayer, you can come up here and we'll pray with you. So, Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, that you are Jehovah Jireh. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord? Just lift, just this as a sign of just, Lord, I'm blessing you and I'm honoring you because I know That you are the God, you are God who sees and provides. And Lord, our hands are lifted not only in honor, but also just saying, God, we need, we need you. Pick us up. Help us, God. Give us victory. We surrender our lives. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We're here to obey you. We believe in you. We believe you, God. And by your grace, we're going to keep going. In Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.